Hey, my name is Lauren Frieder, and my husband Drew and I are lead pastors at Lift Church. We are on the eastern shore of Maryland. We want to thank you so much for joining us today, and we are believing that you will get a lift of encouragement. <clears throat> Joshua, how many more in the night? Some 300, sir. Where will you bury them? Men are trying to dig a trench, but the ground is hard and rocky. With respect, Moses, my concern is not for the dead, but for the dying. Hundreds fall by the day, and for every serpent we kill, another ten appear. Maybe we should leave the bodies here, in this tent. At the rate people are dying, there would not be enough room, even if we stacked them to the top. Then we'll have to leave and find someplace else. I'm not leaving anytime soon. Too many people are sick and cannot walk. After today, the only Hebrews too sick to walk will be those who choose to remain so. Is there medicine in that bronze? You told the people that you would ask God to forgive their rebellion, to heal their serpent wounds. I did. Then why are you hiding in a tent? It wasn't my idea, Joshua. That is a pagan symbol. You did not ask him if you were sure? Maybe you misunderstood him. I've learned to do what he says without questioning. You remember what happened at Meribah. Just to be sure, we could send a messenger to Iziongib or beg for aid. That Poe. Hand me that Poe. say it is a cruel joke. Let them say that. Help me understand. None of this makes any sense. How do you explain the Red Sea? The man in the coil? The pillar of fire? Joshua, any Israelite who looks upon this bronze serpent and believes in the power of Adonai will be healed. It's an act of faith. Not reason. What a powerful scene. Um, episode seven of The Chosen opens up with, and if you didn't get to see, or if you haven't been tracking along with The Chosen series, that's no problem, but um, this is quite a vivid scene uh, that Moses and Joshua play out way back in, um, in the book of Numbers, which is at the beginning of our Bible. And um, we're going to see today that it, it, was, it, was a, it was a foreshadow of what was to come. And we're, we're lucky to be New Testament uh, people who get the, the, the privilege of knowing the end of the story. But um, they did not. And, and, and so in their day, it was a perplexing account um, that the people of God, though they were grumbling against God, though they, they weren't right with God, God's redemption for them was to, to lift up a pagan symbol and it perplexed them. In fact, let's read this account together and 
uh, if you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open up to John chapter 3. We're going to be there in a minute, uh, and we're going to see the conclusion of the story, which came centuries later. And this is what it says in Numbers chapter 21, the biblical account of what we just saw depicted. It says, Then the people of Israel set out, but the people grew impatient with the long journey. Uh, That's a very common theme we see throughout Scripture and the Old Testament, that as God's people were journeying with God, even though God delivered them, through the journey, they would, get, they, would, they would lose sight of God. They would get salty at times. They would get uh, critical at times. And I think that's a good warning for you and I that we cannot become the type of people that though God has moved, I've become quite critical. I've, been, I've, I've become quite pessimistic. My faith is low. I, 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 my my uh, anger or emotions are, are frequently getting the best of me. I, I want to learn from this, and I want to be the type of people who aren't grumbling throughout the journey. If you agree with me, can I get an amen? amen? They grew impatient with the journey, and then they began to speak against God and Moses. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among the people, and many of them were bitten and died. This was because they started grumbling about what God was providing and how he should have done something different. And then, um, verse 7, then the people came to Moses and cried out, we have sinned by speaking against the Lord. Oh, and against you too. And I think that's That's huge that they admit, like, of course, I mean, you can't keep talking flippantly about God and it not matter. You know, we can be so loose with God talk all the time. What we think he should do, how we think he should act, using his name in vain in any sentence where it makes me more comical or gets my uh, point across in a stronger manner. And we can be so loose with God, and yet they realize that this is the reason snakes are upon us. We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and you. Please pray that the Lord will take away the snakes. So Moses prayed for the people. And then the Lord told Moses, make a replica of the poisonous snakes and attach it to a pole. It's at this point that I go, wait, 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 wait. You're not going to remove them? Like, you're not going to dismiss the snakes? God, let's go back a book to the book of Exodus where in the plagues, when the locusts, when we learned our lesson from the locusts, you dissipated them. They were gone. They were eradicated. You're not going to take them away. And this is what I hear God saying. No, I'm going to give you a place of refuge, though, in the midst of them. You're now going to cohabitate with them, but I'm not going to leave you. Um, uh, uh, um, I'm not going to leave you vulnerable to them. I'll give you a refuge, a run-to place, a safe haven, a healing place. That that if you run to it, then um, it goes on to say, all who are bitten will live if they simply look at the image on the pole. And so Moses made a snake of bronze and attached it to a pole. Then anyone who was bitten by a snake could look at the bronze snake and they would be healed. Now, if the Bible, if Jesus never comes, this is one of those scriptures that I chalk up to head scratcher. I'm going to need to uh, pick your brain when I get to heaven, God, because (laughs) why'd you pick such a vehement 
vile imagery. As, as, as Joshua pointed out, that's a pagan symbol. That doesn't represent us at all. Why would you choose such a vile imagery to be lifted up? And I think the answer is about to be shown clear today. That's my hope, is to make it clear to you today that when we get to Jesus talking to Nicodemus in one of the most important chapters of all the Bible, John chapter 3, we get him talking and Jesus says this. He says in John 3, 14, just as Moses lifted up a snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. Sound like the snake? If you will look to it and put your trust in it, you will find eternal life. For God so loves the world that he gave his one and only Son that whoever believes in him lifted up shall not perish but will have eternal life. Listen, that's two times in two sentences that Jesus emphasizes if you look to the one on the cross, the one lifted up, if you look to him, you will have eternal life. I'm so glad that I live in New Testament time that we get this benefit. And I love how Moses and Joshua, Moses says this to Joshua, I've learned to do what he says Without question. Uh, uh, it's an act of faith. He says it's an act of faith, Joshua. Not reason. Faith. And you and I are called to be people of faith. Tell your neighbor. You too. You're called to be a faith person. Tell your neighbor right now. You're called to be a faith person. Tell somebody at home. Tell somebody that you meet at work next to you. You're called to be a faith person. Someone next to you on the ball field. You are called to be a faith person, because that is where we find life. But why such a detestable figure of a serpent? Doesn't the serpent remind you of Satan who once deceived Adam and Eve in the garden? Why would you choose something that seems uh, to be so vile um, to be a place of salvation? Because when Jesus was hung on a cross, the Bible tells us, that he was bruised for our sin. He was crushed for our iniquity. He was beaten beyond recognition. Have you ever looked at somebody who had been beat up or bloodied before or watched a portion of a movie where something like that happened? Like, I don't even enjoy UFC. I know many of y'all do. I have trouble watching people get their face kicked in because there's a part of me that wants to turn away. Like, oh my gosh, right? You know what I'm talking about? When our sin... When your sin, when my sin, when all of history's and humanity's sin was piled on him, how vile do you believe Jesus looked hanging on a cross? It wasn't a pretty picture. It was a metaphorical equivalent to a serpent hanging on a cross because our uglies, our detestables was hanging on him. I want to go through this scripture, parallel the two, and talk four ways Jesus saves. Four ways Jesus saves. Now, I want to be clear. I almost didn't like the title, and I tried to rework that because there's only one way that we can be saved, and that's through Jesus Christ. But I want to color for you four things I see from this imagery and this parallel that shows how great of a Savior we have in Jesus who died for us. If you're ready for that, say amen. Now, I like... I like Marvel series. I like uh, 
some of this um, superhero stuff coming out. And maybe you've seen a graphic like this show up on maybe one of your feeds too. Jesus sitting in the midst of Iron Man, Spider-Man, the Hulk, and says, yep, and that's how I, I saved the world. You know, like... We make so much of these nowadays that um, we forget he did the saving of all saving. He was the hero of all heroes. And I'm kind of also a connoisseur of collecting church signs because I think I'm so glad the era of church signs seems to be dissipating because not every church was kind with their signs, right? A lot of times you'd read it and go, ouch, come on. Here's one of them that uh, I've collected over time. Um, it's, it, this church sign says, almost saved is not good enough. Just shoot it blunt, my pastor. Come on, my maintenance worker, whoever is the deacon who hung that up, just shoot straight, right? You know, 99% won't do it for you. How about this one? Um, we were all saved by a blood donor. Come on, you're like, oh, that's cute. Come on, that's cute. I get it. I get it. I, I, I was saved too. I know if we had a church sign, I would hope that somebody wanted to put this one on the sign. Someone called 911 because our pastor is on fire. Come on. That's, that's what I, <laughs> You know you're dealing with a Pentecostal church at that point. Come on. And I love my Pentecostal roots. Listen, but listen, here's one of when you just, you know, Hold no bars. Just tell it like it is. This, this church put their business out there on the street when they wrote this. Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. <laughs> I bet the people are lining up at the front door. Do they want to get in next week? Like, whoo, they call you out, you know? Listen, we don't even want our AC back. You're going to need it more than us. Come on. There's some angry bunch of, bunch of leadership in that church, but they're a little bit frustrated. I'd be frustrated if you stole my IC unit too. <laughs> Listen, uh, I show you that because that first and second one do stand out to me, and that's how I saved the world. Also, uh, almost saved is not good enough. Here's, here's how Jesus saves, right? Here's number one. Number one, the Israelites were bitten by snakes. Christians are bitten by sin. We have to see the parallel here, but I, I hate snakes. Anybody else up in here say, I hate snakes. I know there's a few rare bit of you guys who are like man's man or fearless, and they're like, I touch everything, and I call you a lunatic. Because, yeah, you know, I, the, the whole thought of snakes caused most of us to lose our mind. We can't sleep at night. That's why they make movies called Snakes on a Plane, because how more unrattling of imagery to be flying over to Phoenix, and next thing I know, there's a snake coming out of so you tell me I'm on a plane and there's some snakes loose. That is what nightmares are made of for me. I'm, I'm telling you, I, I hate snakes so much that uh, back in 2014, my wife was having a small group at our house. And Meg and Erica were over there. Erica sang here this morning, the first song she led. And they were at our house. And my wife calls me on a flip phone. Come on, 2014, you had a flip phone represent holla. 
All right? The flip phone, they, they, they got it. One got out to call me as if I'm going to be the man to save them from the snake. My wife gets on the phone. She says, there's a snake, and it's headed towards the house. You got to come do something. I was just like, I'm sorry. It's breaking up. Couldn't hear you. I, I, don't, I don't know what's going on. The other flip phone was Meg, who, who they called Pop-Up, and Pop-Up um, was living across the street at the time. He pulls, this is, this is as redneck as you can. He pulls his shotgun out, and he starts heading over. I'll take care of that snake. And this is what they caught on a very poor video quality of a 2014 flip phone. There's Pop-Up in his PJs. He's got a shotgun in his hand. There is a tree climbing. There's a snake climbing a tree. He really came over with his gun. He's got his slippers it. on. Slippers and a shotgun. That's all you need. Oh, right here. <laughs> you got it. You got it. You got I have shown up by this point. You got it. Good. I don't even see here it. Here I come to the rescue. <laughs> you see my timing? My, my timing was calculated. I was I was 15 yards behind Pop-Up going, you shoot it first before, you know, because they were like, you go out there and kill it with a shovel. I'm like, I'm not going close to, uh, contact. <laughs> you know that's only like two yards to work with. He's got a shotgun. You shoot that thing. Shoot it. He shoots it. And you think I'm coming up to clean up business. I'm actually talking to my pop-up who's hard of hearing at that point going, he ain't dead yet. <laughs> he dropped, but look at his head. He's coming again. Reload. Reload, papa. And I'm a reload, papa. Reload. Shoot that thing again. Come on. I hate snakes. I hate snakes. <laughs> as much as I hate snakes and as much as you hate snakes, God hates sin exponentially more. We can oftentimes, if you asked me off the cuff, make a list of the top five things you hate, snakes would be higher than sin off the cuff, right? Right? But then I realized just how important sin is. We often make light of sin, and we act like it's no big deal. Our problem is that Israelites are bitten by snakes, but we're bitten by sin. Jude 1.22 says, sin itself stinks to high heaven. It's never pleasing in God's eyes. It might be pleasing to you and I for a moment, but it's never pleasing in God's eyes. While I was studying for this, I read that bees, when they bite you uh, or, or when they sting you, they leave a pheromone that targets all their bee friends saying, here's a new target. All of y'all aim at this. That's why when you get stung by one bee, you better watch out because a lot more are coming. It acts like a target. And do you know sin is the same way? When Satan figures out how to sting you he leaves a mark saying I got the same poison for the same person I'm gonna hit him over and over again young lady I figured out your weakness it worked last night I'm gonna use it again on you tonight I'm gonna hit you every single time you're not watching because I got your mark young man I figured it out older gentleman I got you where you're weak and I will sting you again and again it's worse than snake bites y'all it's worse than snake bites it's called sin Judah Smith said this Sin will take you farther than you want to go, keep you longer than you want to stay, and cost you more than you want to pay. Come on. That is the cost of sin. Number two, a way that Jesus saves. The Israelites felt little initial pain and then intense suffering. Christians also feel little initial pain 
and then intense suffering. You know, I learned that snake bite is not all that painful. I get scared of a snake bite. I oftentimes see it. My kids want to watch them reality shows where people are like, hey, there's the most poisonous snake in the world. Why don't we go over there and tick it off a little bit and then pick it up a little bit and swing it around and then let's see what happens. And I'm just like, you guys are nuts. That's why they make video cameras with 100x lenses. Just stand a football field away and zoom in on it and learn everything you want to learn about it. They're like, no, let me handle it. <laughs> you can't predict this snake's nature. It'll bite you and you'll be dead in five minutes. Here we go. Let me take it off. I'm like, you guys have lost your mind. <laughs> unless you're Indiana Jones <laughs> or unless you're Stephen Irwin. I don't want to be anywhere near snakes, but I've learned this, that the bite is not all that painful. It's the equivalent of a wasp bite or a bee sting. Kind of like getting a shot where as younger, we're scared of it. As older, we're like, that wasn't that bad. I didn't like it. It's going to take two weeks to heal, but I didn't like that very much. A snake bite has little initial pain and then intense suffering that comes afterward. The poison later causes nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, dizziness. Does it sound like a pharmaceutical drug company? <laughs> Take this. It'll make you happy. You'll just be on the commode with diarrhea. <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> See, the bite wasn't that bad. The poison has crazy bad effects. And the same thing is true about sin. The bite might not be that bad, but the after effects has crazy harmful effects. Hebrews 11.25, Moses said, I, I, I'd rather be mistreated along with God's people rather than enjoying the fleeting pleasures of sin. You and I know that the pleasures of sin last very shortly. Oh, this is an awesome night, but tomorrow I'm going to feel like crap. Oh, this might help me get the promotion, but I'm going to regret it my whole life. How am I going to tell my people that I love this story? Because I don't like this story very much, and so it's a poison that eats me up for the rest of my life. But we think so small of the initial bite. Here's one more church sign I found for you, right? Sin is like a credit card. Enjoy now, but pay later. <laughs> and i got to ask the question, was last night worth it? Was was, was that conversation worth it? Was your deceptive nature, was it worth it? Let me make it even more real. Was it worth hell? You start going, uh, might have been good, might have been pleasing for a season, but it ain't worth an eternity in hell. Can I get an amen? That's what we're weighing here. But so easy, we're just, ah, it's just a snake bite. It's not that big of a deal. No, sin is a really big deal. It's the equivalent of a snake bite. Isaiah 59 says, Your iniquities have separated you from God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. Your hands are stained with blood and your fingers with guilt. This is a gruesome violation before God. And we can so often just minimize it. Write this down. The poison of sin is separation. And it might seem like a little initial separation, but an eternal separation is called hell. Just as Adam and Eve were separated from, the garden, uh, from God in the garden, we too are separated from all that is right when we sin as well. So we need to realize the pain of sin. Number three, 
The Israelites experienced physical death from the snake's poison. Christians experienced spiritual death from sin's poison. Sin has a poison. Uh, Ezekiel 18.4 says, The soul who sins is the one who will die. <laughs> That's putting it plainly. The soul who sins is the one who will die. I love how Oswald Chambers says, he quotes it so clearly, Sin is a blatant mutiny against God, and either sin or God must die in my life. Tell your neighbor, one of them's got to go. Come on, tell somebody at home, one of them's got to go. Write it in the chat, one of them's got to go. Either sin or God. Oswald goes on to say this, if sin rules in me, God's life in me will be killed. And if God rules in me, sin in me will be killed. There's no back and forth. There's no, hey, sin during the week, God during the weekend. Come on. It's no uh, uh, sin during the day, God at night. God during the day, sin at night. Come on. We cannot go back and forth. If we become true lovers of God, people who realize that I have been restored by the grace of God dying for me on the cross, then sin no longer can have a place in my life. The New Testament calls it a yeast that just a little bit of yeast permeates the whole soul. And so I can't even leave just a small closed door where I tell God, this is my little pet sin right here. Don't touch that one. The rest of it you can have. No, 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 no. That will open up doors throughout your entire soul. Number four, the Israelites look to a snake on a pole to be saved from death. Christians look to the Christ on a cross to be saved from eternal death. It's one thing to be saved so I could live 10 more years. It's another thing to be saved so I can live 10 billion years and counting in heaven and not hell. One was saved through a snake on a pole. The other is through a Christ hanging on a cross. Acts 18... I'm sorry, Acts 13 says this. So let it clearly be known by you that through Jesus, forgiveness of sins is being proclaimed to you. And through him, everyone who believes, that is, everyone who acknowledges Jesus as Lord and Savior and follows him, is justified and declared, my favorite part, free of guilt. Say those three words with me. Free of guilt. When we look to him on the cross, when we believe in what he's done for us on the cross, we too can be free of guilt because of all that he has done. So hopefully by now, with those four ways that Jesus saves us, I, I, I hope that you say, okay, I get it. Jesus had to be lifted up. But what do you want me to do with that today? I'm so glad you asked. Here's three things to give you to live out today. Number one, look upon Jesus. Look upon him. I talked about it. There can be gruesome imagery that we can, during a movie, just decide to turn our heads. Or if you're into scary movies, there's times where you're like, I'm just going to turn my head because I don't want to see it. Have you ever been in a place where people are like, hey, what do y'all want to do tonight? And some Christian goes, let's watch The Passion of the Christ. And you're like, oh, no, no, no. Why? Because it's really hard to look at. It's hard to look at the cost of my sin slashing the face of my Savior. It's hard to realize he was innocent and didn't deserve it. 
He spilled so much blood, endured so much pain and agony. I don't really want to watch that. It's hard to watch. But I want to encourage you, look at him. See your sin on him. Fall in love with him again. You know, this past week, I had a heartwarming yet heart-grieving piece of news hit me. You ever experienced that before? A lot of bad, but like this tastes good in the middle of the news. Um, I go down every fourth Sunday to Halo with our worship team and and people of our church, and we go to Halo, which is our local homeless shelter, and we, we, we preach and lead worship every fourth Sunday evening. And if I can be quite honest, it's, it, they're very unresponsive a lot of times, and you can feel like, am I getting through to anybody? I'm not really sure if this is connecting. Our worship members have said the same thing, but we have done this for two years, and we're going to continue to do it. We're committed to it. In the middle of last week, I got a phone call that uh, a, a lady from Halo had a heart attack a major one, and she was at the hospital. Her fiancé, who also was a Halo guest, um, wanted to talk to me. And they were planning on getting married, and they had made a decision that Lift Church was now our church, and we're going to continue, we're going to start going there beginning this Sunday. She has a heart attack in the middle of the week, and her mind was so um, uh, traumatized by it, uh, it caused so much uh, issues to the mind that... um, just two days ago, she didn't make it. And it was a very difficult thing as we prayed. I didn't even know I was their pastor. And then Bill, her fiance, starts explaining to me. I said, tell me about her faith. Tell me about the journey. And she says, he says this. She started, she listened every single time y'all came on that Sunday. And so she said, we're going to make Lift Church our home. She even said, I started tithing to Lift Church. Did you start tithing? <laughs> And I said, man, you guys are in a homeless shelter, and you started tithing? Come on, that's, that's built different kind of stuff. I, I, I happened to look it up because he told me, check it. She gave $61.27, a buck 27 to make sure she covered the fee to give electronically. And I thought, look at what faith in action does. It, it, it's not that it warmed my heart that that money was received that's that's the, that's the least of all things it's the heart on display that god was working in my life and doing something because she's looking upon jesus and it's moving her in a different direction and if you've ever been touched by jesus you know what i'm talking about number one look upon jesus i love that she's just built different in fact one more small announcement we're going to give to halo uh, they have a $300,000 roof problem, and uh, we, go, we, we support them and partner with them. So a generous donor in our church said, we're going to send $2,000 to get that roof repaired, but we want to do it through Lift Church. So we said as a board, we're going to match that. But next week, I want to give the church an opportunity to join us in our giving. If you want to give any amount above and beyond your tithes and offerings, we're going to add that to the $4,000 gift that we're going to give to Halo to help them get their roof roof on there uh, over their building and minister to more people around Salisbury. Come on. If you'll join with us, pray about that this week and see what God puts on your heart. $5, $5,000, $500, $50. The amount does not matter. Just ask God, what would you, what would you like me to do? All right. Number two, 
live towards Jesus. I do these at-home workout programs with my wife, and the instructor will say, keep your chest pointed in my direction so you don't hurt yourself. And can I tell you, keep your life pointed in God's direction so you don't hurt yourself. Come on. Listen, it's one thing to say, if Jesus is over here, yes, Jesus, I got my eye on you, but I'm living this way. No, keep your decisions oriented towards God so that all my decisions honor him, so that all my uh, 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 life choices honor him, live to towards Jesus. This is not a one and done Christianity. This is not I came and I prayed so I'm good. No, this is I keep myself oriented to the cross. I remember what Jesus did. I don't ask God for a get out of jail free card that I keep for the rest of my life. No, I live for him in all my ways. John chapter 3, earlier on, as Jesus is talking with Nicodemus said, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. No one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can produce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to a brand new spiritual life on the inside. I liken it to this. I remember years back when I had the flip phone. <laughs> and they came out with an iPhone. And all of a sudden, it was like <laughs> everything, everything's a touch screen now. And then, maybe nine months later, it said, system preference, you have an update to your phone. And I'm thinking, oh, man, now i got to go buy a whole other phone just because they upgraded this thing. And then you find out, no, keep your hardware. We give you a brand new inner software for free. It's got security enhancements inside. It's a brand new platform. You ever had an internal upgrade? You know, you and I suffer from a virus called sin. And we need security upgrades in our lives. And so uh, flesh can only tell you what the flesh can do. Don't go there. Say no to that. Yes to that. Heck no to that. Come on, right? That, that's what the flesh can do. Flesh can reproduce flesh. But spirit can do an internal work on the inside. It's like a whole new operating system. I see life different. I live different. I choose different. The Holy Spirit's in me. Number two, live towards Jesus. Number three, tell others about Jesus. Two times in the book of John, Jesus said this, when I am lifted up on the cross, I will draw all men unto me. People are dying for this sort of information, that they can be set free of the virus that attacks their life. But it comes by looking upon him. And so we have got to live not with my name lifted up, not with my church name lifted up, not with my, my, my worship team lifted up or my people lifted up. It's, it's good to encourage all those, but never lift it up higher than Jesus on a cross. Because Jesus is where the drawing comes from and the heavy lifting comes from. Tell your neighbor right now, let's lift. Let's lift. We're going to finish by watching... All of John chapter 3 play out as Nicodemus, the Pharisee who was interested in what Jesus was teaching, came to Jesus at night, and this is the discussion they had, which we just covered. Watch. Thank you for agreeing to meet. I don't know where to start. I have so many questions. I... Shall we sit first? Oh, yes, of course. I have never heard anyone tell a paralytic to get up and walk much less it actually happened. So what is your conclusion? I believe you are not acting alone. No one can do these signs you do without having 
God in him. Only someone who has come from God. And how is that belief going over in the synagogue? <laughs> <laughs> Which is why we are here at this hour. What have you come here to show us? A kingdom, a sort of kingdom that a person cannot see unless he is born again. Then what is born again? <sighs> I hope you don't mean return to the womb, because that would be a problem for me. My mother, may she rest in peace, is dead. Truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the spirit is spirit. That part of you, that, is what must be reborn to new life. I have come to do more than speak words, Nicodemus. More miracles? Yes. But even more than that. Do you remember when the children of Israel complained against God and against Moses in the wilderness of Paran? Yes. They wanted to return to Egypt, and they cursed the manna that God sent them. And then? They were bitten by serpents, and they were dying. But? But God made a way for them to be healed. Moses lifted the bronze serpent in the desert, and people only needed to look at it. So will the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. Our people are not dying from snake bites. They're dying from taxation and oppression. I'm sorry to disappoint you. But I did not come to deliver the people from Rome. Then from what? From sin. From spiritual death. God loves the world in this way. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. So this has nothing to do with Rome. It's all about sin. God did not send his son into the world to condemn it, Nicodemus. He sent him to save it through him. It's as simple as Moses' serpent on the pole. Whoever believes in him will not be condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already. Have you ever heard anything like this before? Shh. I don't. My heart is swollen with fear and wonder. You can tell me nothing except that I am standing on holy ground. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. <laughs> that kind of hug is what God wants to give you today. For God did not come into this world, Jesus did not come into this world to condemn it. It's not his, it's not his delight or motivation to point out all your blemishes and dumb mistakes. It's his delight to forgive you of them. 
but you have to courageously and boldly come to him, reveal them to him, look upon him hanging on the cross in your place, in my place, paying for it. Fall in love with him. Let him embrace you. Let him hold you. Let him wrap you in the spirit that shows you a warmth, love. He is closer than a winter coat. He will surround you, care for you. But you got to be courageous enough to come to him. I remember when I would hide my blemishes from him. Oh, I would enjoy coming to church and I would worship him. But for a period of time, I hoped he wouldn't call out something. Or I hoped we, we didn't have to discuss that thing. But I knew, I knew God was drawing my heart to him as I looked to him upon the cross. I gave my life to him in the middle of a series called The Way of the Cross. Because when I realized his great love for me, how could I hold on to any of the things that he told me he'd forgive me from? So with every head bowed, every eye closed, I want you to examine your life right now. How are you with God? Are things well? My hope today is similar to Jesus' hope. I don't want to point fingers or call out your mistakes, but I do want to give you an opportunity to get right with God. Jesus said, all who acknowledge me here on earth, I will acknowledge before my Father in heaven, but those who don't, I won't. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, would you just say, that's me, Pastor Drew, include me in that prayer. I want to give my life to Jesus Christ. Come on, I'm not going to call you forward. I'm not going to make you stand in front of everybody, but I am going to offer you the freedom that Jesus paid for on the cross. If that's you and you say, come on, it's time to let go. I feel like there's healing in lifting your hand. Would you just say, include me in that prayer right now. Lift your hand high in the air and just say, that's me. Include me, Pastor Drew. Yes, I see you. Thank you so much. Thank you for your courage. I see many hands and maybe people online. If you would be so bold as to write, include me in that prayer. We want to connect with you. There's a host online who will pray with you. But it's important that we find the healing of saying, I'm looking to the cross. There's nothing magical about raising your hand. It's more about your soul kind of saying, I'm looking to Jesus on the cross now. I want to live oriented to him. If you're in this place and you also say, Pastor Drew, I, I prayed that prayer and I'm living for him. But there's one or two closed doors that I know. I've, I, I didn't mean to close the door to him, but right now the Holy Spirit's revealing to you that you've closed the door on certain topics or subjects of your life. Maybe it's a family member who you've grown, grown tension with. Maybe it's a workplace. Maybe it's, maybe it's sports. or Maybe it's the way you've been living certain areas of your life. Maybe it's your attitude. God is pressing on it right now. You say, Pastor Drew, I, I'm living for Jesus, but I realize I've got to look to him in this area too. If that's you, would you pray with me along with everyone who raised their hand and the whole church? Let's pray. Jesus, say out loud, Jesus, I love you. I give you my life. I have sinned and made mistakes that are grievous to you. I now realize they're worse than snake bites. 
Father, forgive me for my sin. Help me to live for you. Wash me clean and eradicate all of the poison of sin in my life. 